Hi guys, welcome. My guest today is Nicholas Williams, aka Nick Way. Nick is a YouTuber and entrepreneur based in Toronto, Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So, how how is Toronto, especially now that we are now in summer? Uh, the weather is good, but there's so much social issues that are going on in the world. You know, there's the COVID, there's the the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on right now. So there's a lot more, there's a lot going on right now in the city and in the world in general. But other than that, Toronto's okay. Yeah. See, um, talking about um, Black Lives Matter, um, what's your take on race and racism around the world? I feel like racism is something that we're going to have to learn to live with instead of, I can't say beat it because we need to try and beat it, but a lot of it is just ignorance. And I feel like a lot of people are not educated on the facts of racism and just the system of society is based on racism, specifically in the United States. And then that just carries off into the other parts of the world. So it's just unfortunate. It's just, it's hard sometimes. It's hard all the time. Yeah, because I, I always tell people, um, most young people, especially the, the kids, are not, are not they, don't, they don't bond them racist. They're just taught to be racist by either society or their parents. Yeah. That's for sure. Through society, I would say, because no one is born racist. You're born, you know, a, a usually a happy kid then there's you know society the media it just portrays different races in negative ways and that's just how racism gets taught to people in my opinion specifically through the media yeah i try with all the conspiracy theories and unfounded uh, in, uh, in facts yeah so um you you got you got a large uh, subscriber base on YouTube with over 260,000 subscribers. So tell me, what is the key to having a successful channel on YouTube? I feel to be successful on YouTube, you have to be very transparent with your subscribers and your viewers. So the videos that I make, you know, I make them feel like, and we are friends. You know, I tell them a lot of information about me that I've gone through in my life that impacted me and changed me for the better. And I just relay that information to them. So, you know, moving out, what it's like owning a business. I tell them all of the problems I've gone through and they're able to learn from that. And, I, and we feel like we have a good connection. You know, I'm very open with them. And to be successful on YouTube, I, it depends on the videos you want to make. But just being able to connect with the, the YouTuber from the subscribers, I think that's the the main thing that will make people subscribe and support you. Yeah, because I noticed over the past years you've changed your tone of your channel because you used to be more, um, I would like like clickbait or or <laughs> or something about you and your girlfriend or faking something or pranks, and but you've now changed the tone to more inspirational and entrepreneurial topics. Why the, the the move? I feel like when I was doing the pranks and stuff, it got a lot of views. And my that's where my channel really grew in a year. I think I got maybe 
like 100,000 subscribers in one year, I think. But as I got older, I started to feel different about it. You know, the pranks were fun and I enjoyed doing them. But I feel like I got to an age where it's just not for me anymore. I felt like it was, I wouldn't say childish, but I would just say, because it's entertainment at the end of the day. Some of them are really funny, but I just felt like I had to be more mature and I had something more valuable that I had to offer my subscribers. So if I'm getting so much views from doing pranks and stuff, and then I want to do something inspirational that can educate people and it doesn't get the same amount of views, I don't feel motivated to continue because doing the pranks, it was working. I was getting a lot of views, but when I was trying the inspirational content, it wasn't necessarily working because I judged the success of that content on views and my views were not comparable and I just stopped doing it. And then that's why I kind of took a break from YouTube for about a year because I was too old and too mature to really do the pranks anymore. I grew out of it, but I also didn't want to take that jump into creating more inspirational content because I feel like it wasn't going to get enough views because I was used to getting so much views and then I just, and I was living on YouTube for a while. So if it wasn't going to get, if it wasn't getting views, I would feel upset about it because I was, I'm passionate about YouTube. And that led me to taking a, a hiatus from creating content. In 2019, I think I made maybe like six or seven videos and that's, that's nothing compared to what I was doing before. And then I started my company, Wavy Merch, and I didn't need YouTube anymore. So I was making money through my company and I was able to just step away from YouTube. But then I realized that I have a message that I have to share to everybody. And it's beneficial if people were to listen and to learn through my experiences. So I decided recently that I don't care about the views. I don't care about the money that YouTube is going to pay me. I care more about the message that I'm going to get across because there's a lot of young kids that watch my channel where they don't have someone that can guide them through the daily struggle and just the daily lives of living. And I just, so now I do it for the love, for the education. I do it for the impact. I don't do it for the money. If it, if it blows up and it becomes really successful, that will actually make me really happy because now I'm getting, it's something I'm passionate about has now become successful you know and even on the monetary value so that would be that would be cool but at the same time it doesn't matter to me whether it blows up or not i'm just more satisfied with sending a message and at least changing one person's life yeah because me personally i kind i kind of i i was kind of going through the home page of youtube and that was how I found your page because I guess maybe I I was watching a particular similar topic you were talking about and I kind of subscribed and I was like, that was what even made me now say, okay, I wanted to do the podcast with you because I kind of enjoyed your current trend of talking about your personal experience and talking about in, uh, and entrepreneurial stuff and other inspirational topics because I, 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 I tend to find out that many of the young people right now, they lack mentorship. And they lack direction. They tend to want to fall for the flashy things or I want to buy. They think it's all about buying the latest stuff and not about building that future that will enable them buy tenfold of that thing they love. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. I agree with that. A lot of kids, it just that's how society is and how media is, you know. You could upload a video about buying a new car and everyone's gonna watch it. But no one 
gonna watch a video of someone telling you how to get the new car. No one's gonna tell you how hard I had to work to get the car. No one's gonna tell you how to sign a, a, a deal for a car. What's the, the benefits of it, the negatives of it. They just see the flash and the glamour. Yeah. And that's what will get people to click. And that's clickbait. So, and that's how YouTube works. And it's just marketing at the end of the day, you know. So someone will look at the homepage and you have one second to get their attention. And the best way to get their attention is to have a thumbnail that is attractive, a title that's attractive that will make them click in that one second. So people are more geared to click something that's, you know, clickbait versus something educational. Because if it's educational, you know you're going to have to sit down, you're going to have to focus on the video for maybe 10 minutes. Whereas if you play uh, another video on YouTube that's just for entertainment and that could be clickbait, you don't really have to pay attention. You know, you're just watching it it's in the background and you don't really learn or take anything from it. So I try not to make that type of content right now. Yeah, because I, I kind of enjoyed one of the videos you, you did where you explained um, that you made a mistake in buying a car without making your research about the price and and when you had to collect a loan and you could have used one of the loans to pay off one of the cars and everything. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like really the bad. details and everything. And you didn't just... Yeah, and, oh and, gosh. and you didn't even talk about, you didn't even talk, you didn't just say, you, you provided proof. So it, it, it created some sense of genuity and some some transparency. Because yeah. people can come and tell you, oh, I bought a car, I made a mistake, I did this and this and that. And you just take them for their word. But you, you just brought out the receipt. Like, this is the receipt. <laughs> like, this is it, look at it. And it kind of resonated well with me. Yeah. And yeah, you just gotta. I wanted to make it because it was a hard. It was hard for me to understand because when I first signed the lease or the car, the finance, I was looking at the paper for months and I never really fully understood what happened until, you know, a year later. Then I really looked at it and I, I got the idea of it. I'm like, I just made a. This was a terrible decision, and I had to make sure that I I shared that with other people because, there there's gonna be people that buy cars that are in the exact same position as me. You know, and I want to make sure that you know exactly what can go wrong when you get a car because no one taught me this. I didn't learn this in school. They don't teach you this. They teach you whatever the system wants to teach you. But a lot of the life skills that I learned in life, I had to learn in the real world. School didn't teach me how to cook. It didn't teach me how to pay bills. It didn't teach me the responsibility of living on your own and getting cars and stuff. I actually had to just jump off the bridge and just say, I'm going to learn this on the fly. There's no other way I'm going to learn. And that's just how I went about doing things. So I just want to make everyone else's lives easier. I think that's the main purpose. Because I've so, learned a lot in my life through experience. So not you're, through you're making, education. You're making the mistake for the world. <laughs> yeah, you know, at my expense. You know, it is what it is. It's okay. As long as other people don't make the same mistake, I feel happy with that. That's That means I did my job. So uh, going back to what you said earlier about... Or oh, you taking a break and all that and everything. So I was just curious because I saw it in one of your one or two of your videos. Like you, you were once, you were once or twice offered over forty thousand to one fifty thousand dollars to sell your channel. So why didn't you sell it? I'm curious. Because it's very sentimental. My channel. I started it in I think it was 2011, and you know I started at zero subscribers and. Every single subscriber that I made, I worked hard for. You know, I, I, I put my life out there and people respected me enough to press the subscribe button. 
So I felt like it was, there's not really a price on the channels. I, I can't even sell it because all the videos that I put up from when I was a kid to, to now, there's a message in all, in the whole journey. You know, people can watch the whole journey and say, wow, this is actually inspirational. I've seen Nick start out from zero as a kid to a grown man. So if my videos were to ever get deleted, if I had to delete all my videos, I feel like I'm selling my soul at that point. I'm selling my soul for financial gain because I wouldn't want to delete the videos and I have a my videos have a good message behind it. And if I deleted all that just for money, that's not necessarily good money, you know, because I'm doing something that I that hurts my soul for monetary gain. And that is called selling your soul. So there's, there's no way I could do that. I, it was entertaining at first because when someone says, look, I'm going to give you $150,000 for your channel. Of course, you're going to go crazy. You're going to be like, no way. This is, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. Like, I have a chance to make it out now. But at the same time, when you think about it, it's just it's deeper than the money. And I, I made a good decision by not selling it. Yeah, because I'm sure for many of your diehard and long-time subscribers, it would have been like an, an injustice for you to have done that because what if the person you're selling the channel to ends up now turning the channel to be a porn channel? It, it, would, it, would, it would resonate very bad for you and your brand, right? For sure. Yeah. So, um, what... Because uh, I know now daily or at least four times a week of videos so and i noticed one of the comments someone said oh i'm really enjoying this your uh, constant upload so let me ask what what editing software do you use to edit your videos for youtube i use a program called adobe premiere oh. adobe premiere pro and oh. i've been using that for maybe about five six years so I know how the system works fully and I've created shortcuts where I can edit a video in maybe like 20, 30 minutes, depending on the video, because I've been doing it so long and I know all the commands on the keyboard and, and I learned that through practice. You know, I didn't go to school to learn how to edit videos. I actually had to just practice. And then as you keep doing it, you learn new tricks every yeah. single day. Yeah. Because for me, I use a uh, DaVinci Resolve for my, and at first, it was like kind of difficult and everything, but watching tutorials on YouTube and everything, I kind of just became like a mini pro around it. I'm still learning it because it's yeah. it's it's a heavy it's a heavy software, but the, I, I've discovered that there are still a lot of things I still don't even know about it. Like what I know is like maybe ten percent of what the, the software can do. Yeah. So. um you have a very successful online business where you sell match uh, Durans and other men hair products. When did you start and how has the business been so far? I started, I think it was February 2018 is when it became official. So there's a time on my YouTube channel where I was making a lot of wave videos. So I would teach people how to get 360 waves in their hair. And then I stopped making the videos and I changed my hairstyle. And then I just kept doing YouTube and I kept getting bigger and bigger. And it got to a point where I wanted to get my waves back. And I think I had 150,000 subscribers at the time. I think it was 150. And I told myself, look, I can't use another company's product because I have 150,000 supporters. It doesn't make sense for me to promote another company where I can start my own. 
So I started my own company called Wavy Merch. I got my own brushes and then I cut my hair and I started doing YouTube videos again on how to get the waves. And that, when I came back, it was, it was big because everyone's like, oh, Nick, you're finally coming back to the waves and you're using, and you started your own product line and these are the brushes you're using. So they supported it right away. And it was a, for the company, it was a learning experience because I sold out of my first set of brushes. So now I have money, but I have no inventory. So now I had to spend my money to create new products and then to manufacture these products, it takes time. So now I spent a lot of money in creating new products, but now I have no more money and I, had, I still have all these bills. So it was a learning experience to balance inventory and money management so i'm at a stage now where i know there's a time period where okay it's gonna run my products are gonna run out it's gonna take 30 days to manufacture it's gonna take another 30 days to get it you know so i need to manage my money and my and the the inventory that i have to make sure that i never run out and as a company i need to continuously release new products because if you're not making if it doesn't look like you're upgrading your inventory or you're not coming out with new innovative products, people will start to look at the company like it's a it's a dying company. Yeah. If you're constantly trying new things and releasing new products, people will be more interested in supporting. They'll be more respectful of the company and more supportive of the brand. So it's all it's a constant cycle of investing, selling, research and development, and just that cycle like that. Yeah. So, in in that in that phase where you 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 order, did you have to travel out of Canada to to the manufacturer's factory to tell no, them so, and show them so what you a, wanted? A platform called Alibaba. Now, what this website is is it's a a middleman between cus not customers. I would say uh, businesses like myself and manufacturers. So, a lot of these manufacturers they're not only in China but they're in India, Vietnam. Uh, all over the world and what Alibaba does is it middlemans the transaction so I wouldn't know where to find a manufacturer to create brushes but Alibaba lists many manufacturing companies where all over the world that do specific things so I was able to go on Alibaba find a supplier or manufacturer that can create my products and then ship it to me so a lot of the communication that we do is through email I've never had to go to I get my products made in China. They were made in China. And I've never had to visit there yet. Um, but eventually, as the relationship grows, and if I want to create bigger products, I might have to go there. But it's not only just China. There's other countries in the world that also manufacture goods. So a lot of people think everything is China, China, China. But that's not necessary, necessarily a fact. You can go anywhere in the world, like India, Vietnam. There's other countries that are starting to become manufacturing countries that can manufacture goods at a cheaper rate. Because in North America, where I'm from, you know, labor is very expensive. And I don't know, we just don't have the, the infrastructure to really manufacture goods at a, at a large scale that's profitable for companies. Yeah, true. Um, so what, what are your do's and don'ts when it comes to being a successful entrepreneur? My successful do's, uh, I would say be very focused. You need to be able to sacrifice. So when you're an entrepreneur, no one is going to do anything for you. You have to do everything yourself. You have to organize everything yourself. 
And to do that, you need to be very focused. So I would say be focused and the don'ts, um, the don'ts, I don't know, you kind of go hand in hand with the do's, make sure, make sure you're focused. I would say make sure you're focused and be smart with your money. Don't, don't blow your money because as an entrepreneur, you're going to constantly have bills. You're going to have to pay for things and you want to have money to do those things. So I don't go to the bank for loans yet. Everything I've paid for, I've paid by myself. So I would say don't spend your money on unnecessary things like cars, clothes, where I can buy a $1,000 pair of shoes. But the way I look at it now is I can buy $1,000 worth of you know goods for my business that will make me money. So you have to be smart with your money and don't. So be focused. That's the do's and the don'ts is don't blow your money on stupid things. Yeah, true. So... um on a on a lighter note, um, what I'm, I was just curious because I I check on YouTube because when I watched one of your tutorials on the Duran and waves and everything, and oh, I started seeing many recommendations for all the other channels that do the the same waves and tutorials and all this stuff. So I was just curious. I'm originally from Nigeria, so I'm curious. What is it with guys and having waves? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say. Like for me. I think it looks really cool. I like the style of having the waves in my hair. It looks good. I think for another another reason is the competition. So, you know, if someone has really good waves, I feel like I want my waves to be better. So then I'm going to start brushing my hair a lot more. And also another thing for me is it's very, it's therapeutic. So I could just, I go to my barbershop at night, I put on some music and I just brush my hair for like an hour, two hours. And it gives me time to just relax uh, it it's, it's therapeutic for me. And another thing I like about Waves that taught me a valuable lesson is the more work you put in, the more you get out. So if you brush your hair like 10 minutes a day, you're not going to see a lot of results. But if you continuously put an hour a day and you just keep putting in work, you're going to see more results. So that kind of trains my brain that for me to understand the concept of when you put in work, you're going to see results. And it's constant. You know, you have to you may see a little bit of progress, but you may not even see progress. But if you keep going at it, you're going to start to see a little bit more and more process and a progress, and it carries over to the next day. So it just teaches me how to stay focused, stay stay working, and take the progress that you get, no matter how big or small it is, and carry it over to the next day, and then keep working and building on top of that. So... So the Duran helps build the waves? Yes. Yeah, so because I see it as a piece of cloth. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so I'm curious how he helps get you the waves. Is it because it, it, start, it, it reduces the air from coming to your hair? or No, the... so, so how it works is when your hair is curly, yeah. you'll brush and then you'll brush it down. And mm -hmm. then when it lays down, you'll see waves. Now, what a do-rag does is it holds it down. So when you're not brushing, your mm -hmm. do-rag is holding your hair down and it's keeping it tight and it's training your hair to stay flat. Because oh. your hair, you're not going to have waves if your hair is not flat. So the do-rag, the brushing makes your hair flat and the do-rag keeps your hair flat. So the do-rag the do works better than those spotting wave creams? Uh, it's Everything helps. So like the wave cream, it will help your hair stay flat. You know, because it'll just make your hair more flat. So if your hair is hard to lay down, you'll put some cream in your hair. So I have wave cream that I made. 
and I sell. So you put it in your hair, and now your hair is moisturized, it's shiny, and it has hold. So now when you're brushing your hair, it's laying down, and then the cream will help it lay down even more, and then the do-rag will help it lay down even more. <laughs> <laughs> so they go hand in hand, complement each other. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's interesting. This is Asuko Travels, a new podcast by me, Asuko Eitan, an online content creator, YouTuber, and banker. On this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my vast experience in travel, tech, fitness, and lifestyle, entertainment, and fashion, and also have fascinating guests each week to discuss this topic so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode plus visit www.asukotravels.com for more so uh, you mentioned barbershop so i was coming to that so earlier this year you opened a new barbershop how is it working out considering what's happening with the pandemic, COVID, and everything? Uh, it sucks because I got the keys for the place December 15th, and it took me, I think it was about three months. Yeah, because I saw like four videos of your series of uh, getting it ready. Yeah, so I, I look back, and it took me too long to fix it and to get the place ready. I should have had that place done in a month, but there was so much... Uh, you know, when you're doing business, you have to wait for people to do certain things. Yeah. Um, and there's so much. I have to work with my landlord to make sure that his building is up to his standards. And workers are busy. So it was a really long process, but it shouldn't have been that long. It took me three months to get the place ready. So March, early March is when I opened. And I actually was running business for maybe two, three days. And then coronavirus came. So then everything shut down. But the streets started to become more empty. So the area that I'm in is really busy. And once the COVID came around, the streets were empty. So no one's walking around the barbershop. No one's coming in. Uh, my barber stopped coming in because, you know, the virus. And then at that point, I said, okay, look, I'm just going to close the doors. There's no point staying open because I don't even want to be there because I'm scared for the virus, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just really unfortunate because I put a lot of money into that place, a lot of effort, and I'm really proud of the place. But... It sucks that I had to shut down, but I wasn't really upset. I was upset, but I wasn't mad because there's absolutely nothing I could do. You know, no matter what I could do, there's still a virus, and that's what really destroyed the business. It wasn't because I failed. I did everything that I was supposed to do. I built the place. I got my license. I got the barbers. I got my system set up for it to work. Everything was done, and I was finishing it piece by piece. But the one thing I didn't prepare for was COVID. So when COVID came, it just completely destroyed me. I had to close down. And it sucked because all the money that I put in, plus all the rent that I was paying, I needed businesses to open because I'm, I need to make money now. So I spent all that money and I have all these expenses and I can't even open. So that was like, it destroyed me. It, it really destroyed the business. So and it, now that things are gradually like opening up and everything, any plans to continue with it? Yeah, so we're. I'm still waiting for the government to give us the go-ahead. Um, I'm hoping that comes soon, and I hope it's safe to open. But another another battle that I'm gonna have to deal with is now I have to run a business with COVID. So I'm in the servicing industry. 
where I'm, the barbers are going to be in your face every day. So there needs to be some type of safety measure in place that will make customers feel safe and my barbers feel safe. And that's just another challenge, you know, and that's just business. I feel like there's always going to be something. There's always going to be a challenge. And what whether you, if you want to survive, if you want to win, you have to work with the challenge, finish the challenge and find a way to succeed through all the problems that you're going to come. Because there's COVID right now. This is one issue. I'm going to deal with it. But later on in the future, there's going to be another problem. And, you know, it's my job to deal with that problem, to find a way to make this work. Because I know over, I'm, I'm in Washington, D.C., and over in some states and cities in the U.S., they've already started opening up. And some barbers are like, some barber shops, they now have, like, the customer's... Well, I don't think it's going to be comfortable for the customer to wear a face mask because those hair, the hairs could just drop in between the yeah. mask. But the barbers have to wear face masks because they are like their breaths are like directly to your face. Then um, they wear gloves and everything, so they take cautions. They put hand sanitizers and everything. Yeah, but I, I guess it's just a it's just a, a a period where you just have to prepare and take caution. But yeah. you know, in the world, once a vaccine or a, a, a drug comes out for it, everybody's just going to go back to the other. Because you could see, even with the protests, everybody just came out on the, on the street. Yeah. And at least the wise ones are wearing face masks. But that was, that was my take. But like, in my, in my mind, I was like, was the shutdown really necessary? We could have just either wore our, our face masks and our gloves than just stay home. Yeah, the thing is, a lot of people, they just now learned how to be hygienic. So people are now learning, oh, I have to wash my hands before I eat. Oh, I have to, you know, sanitize my hands before I, uh, after I touch nasty things. But these are things that, you know, people should have already been doing. These are things they should have been teaching them in nursery schools. <laughs> yeah, since it's a kid, they should be learning this stuff. But a lot of people, I guess they're just nasty, man. Yeah, I, I I go to movie theaters before this COVID thing, and you see people leave the the restroom or the toilet, and they don't even wash their hands. Yeah, and they now go back to the food stand and buy burgers or hot dogs and use that same hand to hold the hot dog. Yeah, it's disgusting, and that's how yeah. germs transfer. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so um, any new projects or works in the that that you're working on? Yeah, right now I'm just. Focusing, focusing more on YouTube, I want to make sure that I create content that is educational for people. Um, for Wavy Merch, I'm starting to create new brushes. I have a lot of new do-rags coming in. So I'm making sure my inventory is fully stocked. And anything else? And the barbershop, I'm just, I'm just ready to see what can happen. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to open because I haven't, that never really opened. I want to run that business. I want to see what it's like to operate a barbershop. I want to see how much money it can generate. And that's probably the next thing that I'm looking forward to is just getting the barbershop up and running. Yeah, that, that, that's good. Um, so do you have, uh, how do you, I want, I'm just curious also, how do you balance knowing that you're a busy guy and everything? How do you balance your personal and work life? And that, that's kind of like the do's and don'ts of entrepreneurship. You have to stay focused. So I don't have time to waste. I really don't. I have every day. There's always something I can do. 
There's always something. So I can't waste time. I don't have TV in my house. I never have time to watch Netflix because there's other things I need to be focused on. So to balance the social life, there's not really a social life. I have a few friends that, you know, that I, I associate with. But I'm not going out to parties. I'm not really meeting new people all the time because I just don't have the time. I really don't have the time. So the the wave uh, merge. Any new products or line coming out soon? Yeah. So I have three new brushes that are going to be releasing uh, very soon, and I have 17 new do rags that I'm going to be releasing in all different colors. And I'm going to be making some shampoo, some conditioner, some hair moisturizer, some oils for your hair, some oil for your beard, some, what else am I making? Some more wave cream for your hair. I'm making some lip balm. So I'm really expanding the product line. And how I make my products is I only make products that I use myself. So I use lip balm every day. And I hate going to the store to buy new ones because I'm not going to go to the store just to buy lip balm. But if I go to the store, I might forget. So I'm like, you know what? This is something I use every day. Let me make my own. And that's the same with the brushes. I brush my hair every day. Let me make my own. My do-rags, I wear it every day. I know how to make them better than everyone else. So let me make my own. So anything I release, I use myself personally. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. Because I notice if you look at the market right now, there are a very few brands that really cater for the men men part of of uh, skincare or healthcare or fashion and everything. It's everything is always more centered towards ladies. Yeah. So your your pro, your brand is more focused on the men folk. Mm-hmm. For now, but that's not a good thing because it is and it's not. But I like being open to everybody because. You know, if a girl spends a hundred dollars, it's the same as if a guy spends a hundred dollars. The money is the same, right? But if yeah. I'm only getting products that are for guys, I'm not getting female support. You know, I'm only getting guy support. So my purpose, uh, my what I'd like to do and what I want to do moving forward is make products that are universal. You know, so it, it's a challenge to because right now my demographic is mostly guys, and guys are the ones that are spending the money. So I have to gear my products towards them but at the same time i want to have products that are also available for women because i have nothing that's available for girls so i'm not sure if i want to create separate lines or if i want to just make a more universal group of products that do some that are unisex i said or do a product that maybe one or two products that are unisex like the lip balms both guys and ladies use them yeah for sure and that's something that girls would love, but at the same time, guys use it as well. So that's a good way to get into the female market slowly, get the female support, and then just go from there. But there's something I've noticed when I go to the stores, for example, to buy deodorants or, or shampoos or so. You, you notice many of the men's products tend to sell out faster, but you check out who are buying them. It's mostly ladies. <laughs> because the ladies will tell you the man, the deodorant is stronger than the female one. The female one yeah. is more about per smell and cologne and everything, yeah. or per perfume. But the guys is stronger. It says like I use a deodorant, it could last me for the whole day. But the ladies one would just be maybe twelve hours or so. You kind of see where where it is. So even if you you're 
targeting the male market, you still see some ladies, even when you bring out the lip, uh, the lip, uh, lip balms, I'm sure many of the ladies will also buy them too. Yeah. And sure. also buy for their men too. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the plan. And that's, that's true. Cause a lot of female products, they just, they just want it to smell good, but it's not very effective. But us guys, we want it to be effective. We don't really care about the smell. Right. But we do care, but we want to make sure it works. First of all. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's true. That's a good point. So your 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 market demography is it more around Canada or is spread around the world? It's more so in the United States. So I, my biggest demographic as of right now, based on countries, is the United States, and then second is actually France. France is actually second on my uh, the, the demographics, and third is Canada. But third, Canada and France are very close, but. United States is definitely number one. Yeah, because if if you, I'm sure even if I didn't do my research properly and check well, I wouldn't even had known that you were in Canada. Yeah, because a lot of people think I'm from the United States. Yeah, a lot of people think you, you're you're from from the US because kind of kind kind of Canada and the US have kind of, kind of a few well, minus politics and <laughs> Canada and the US have the kind of uh, similarities actually when yeah. it comes to the black community and everything so I, I had to dig deep and really check that you were in in um, in Canada because yeah. I was like oh is he in Canada is he in Canada is he in Canada like I was like okay so I, just another lighter note have you traveled out have you gone vacation like where would be your most sort of after travel destinations uh for a vacation i like go i like going anywhere because i like learning different cultures and every country has its own culture right so i'll learn new things from those places uh eventually i i may want to move to the united states just for opportunity and Canada is good for me. Toronto is good for me. I know a lot of people here, but at the same time, I, I'm so much bigger in the States, you know, and I feel like the States is more built towards business, I would say. Toronto's good too, but the United States, I feel like there would just be more opportunities to thrive, especially for me because I have YouTube, so I can go to L.A. You know, if I'm in the States, I, I just feel like the States is an eventual goal for me where I, I may want to go. But I'm not too sure yet. I have to I have to figure a lot of things out. Yeah, you 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 need you need to like do like you said in your video, do your research. <laughs> <laughs> but on my own side, I think for black entrepreneurs, I think Atlanta would be a good base for you. Yeah. But if you want the connections and the wow 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 life, then maybe LA might be a destination for you for that. So why do you say Atlanta? Because you're not the first person that said Atlanta is good for like a black business. So why is Atlanta good? Well, first of all, your I would I would say your family is there. The black black businesses, black black folks are more yeah. successful. Black folks are are really centered in Atlanta, okay, or suburbs around Atlanta. So it's. It's I would like Atlanta is like the hotbed for black entrepreneurship and everything. Hollywood, LA is 
most if, if you check most videos on on YouTube and you hear most young people or uh, uh, other people who have dreams yeah that go to LA they will tell you oh if I had done my research well oh LA is LA is more for people who are really established yeah because if you if you're having a dream and you want to go to LA I will say you you have to have friends and you you have to have somewhere you can stay for 6 months or a year because first of all rent is expensive in LA and everybody in LA is on their own like you have to also you know, nobody's going to be there to stretch a hand or a finger for you to to come back everybody's stamping on on someone after after all the, it's a city where you have the walk of fame so, and they walk on the, so they will walk on you so Atlanta is Atlanta is still you're on your own and everything, but it, when you're around like like minds and people of the same color with you, yeah, you you you're motivated to hustle. You're motivated to to push to push to push it to the limit. And Atlanta is a hub. It has the the busiest airport in in the world. Yeah. So it's easy for you to just connect from Atlanta to Toronto or Atlanta to DC, Atlanta to LA. So it's not like you're in, let me think of a city in the US. It's not like you're in uh, Portland, Oregon, yeah, where you have to fly from Portland to maybe Dallas to connect to a, a flight to somewhere. Yeah. So, okay. So Atlanta is a, a centrally located country, uh, state. Is a is a centrally located city. It's in it's Georgia. Yeah. So yeah. even though the state is still kind of mini racist, but Atlanta itself is 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 like it an untouchable zone in Georgia. Yeah. Because it's it's more black than than any other race. Okay. Yeah. So Atlanta, Atlanta. I think Atlanta is more like Toronto too for Canada. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Atlanta. The housing isn't so expensive. Yeah, you could buy like I know a, a friend who bought. I know a friend who bought a house. A fi- he built. You know, he didn't even buy. He built it from scratch. He, he like they were building it and they took all the specifications he wanted, yeah. and he paid I think two hundred and something thousand. That was like five oh, years wow. ago. He paid two hundred and something thousand uh, dollars for a five bedroom. And the funny part of the house was it had two garages, it had a big backyard. Then he also had two master bedrooms, one up, one down, because as a then, when his mom was alive, his mom was old, so he didn't want her to always keep going through the stairs. So he built a master bedroom in the the, the ground floor, and he had one for himself upstairs. Wow, for 200,000? Yeah. And also, even up to yeah, that was five years ago. Even now, you could still see houses for as low as a hundred and something. Everything just boils down to it's easier to see those houses when they're just building them, yeah, than when it's finished. When it's finished, you could still see two hundred, three hundred. So it's it's and most of those houses are like in the suburbs, like thirty minutes away from Atlanta downtown. Or, or something like my friend he 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 picked that location because it was about 20 minutes to downtown atlanta and 15 minutes away from the airport yeah so it's good location so he was in between the mix and he had a car so he didn't have to worry about transportation so he could just drive 
he was working in downtown Atlanta, so he just drove to downtown Atlanta. And when he's done, he drives back home. Then if he needs to travel, he's just 15 minutes away from the airport. So it it was it was a good uh, it was a good choice for him and like me I'm in DC now if not for the fact that I'm still kind of doing something here I'm sure in the next one to two or three years I'll be looking at Atlanta oh yeah as yeah I've been to Atlanta it's not I'm not speaking based on. Uh, I would like, you know, Hollywood, or you watch too much movies, and you yeah. think you know about the place. <laughs> so I've been to Atlanta like almost six times. So I kind of I don't know the place that much, but I, from my few stays, I think the longest I've stayed in Atlanta was two months. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of really it has its bad parts. Don't every city has their bad parts, but yeah, but when it comes to business, Atlanta is a good point. Especially when you are in, in, in the same field with like minds and yeah, it's like a city for black success and everything. So okay. even even Tyler Perry has a studio there, so he didn't go to LA to build his studio. So he built it down in Georgia. Yeah, he has a studio in Atlanta. Okay. A massive you, you can watch the video on YouTube. It's a big as a big do you know the um, Avengers? Yeah. Um, Black Panther. Yeah. They shot the the movie there in a studio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they shot the the movie. In, I think some scenes of the Avengers too was shot in uh, in Tyler Perry studio. The guy does he apart from doing his own shows and everything, people rent his space. Netflix and the rest they rent his space to do um, their shows there. Oh, so that's also that's that's successful. Yeah, that's why you see why I said black entrepreneurship. So there are a lot of things around Atlanta that can motivate you if you are losing faith or you're losing hope. There are a lot. I don't know the way I'm talking about this Atlanta. You think I'm an ambassador? (laughs) You think you think you think the mayor is giving me some side dollars somewhere? Oh my god, it's so funny. Like I, I, I just had to sit down. Like, uh, why, why are you, why are you still talking about this Atlanta? Are they giving you money? Yeah, yeah. But, but Toronto, but Canada as it is, or Toronto as it, it's not like, it's not like. Be, it, so you, your plan is like you want to go to where your main market is. Yeah, well, for me, I make money online, so it doesn't really matter where I go. and It doesn't affect me negatively, but if I go to uh, you know, a better location where my market is, I may be able to do different things that could benefit myself and my business, but it doesn't necessarily matter, you know, because everything I do is on the internet. As long as I have internet, I have YouTube, and I'll be able to market my products and... Yeah. I'll be good. So I just need internet. That's the main thing. But in Toronto, houses are super expensive. So you can't... Houses here go for a million dollars and it's probably like a 2,000 square foot house. You know? What? So, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's like LA. It's like LA. It's like New York. It's ridiculously expensive. So buying a house here is not worth it. You know? So that's another reason why my friend was saying go to Atlanta because you can get a huge house, like you just said, a five-bedroom yeah. house for $200,000 built up. Yeah, because I have two friends, 
uh, one of them used to stay in Chicago, but he moved back to Atlanta because majority of his business was in Atlanta. And he does real estate and he's doing well. Like he has been selling and closing out on houses. He has been buying properties and flipping them and everything. And where you know is there are things you see on social media, but from what I see, he's doing very well. Yeah, okay. He's doing very well there too. I think I think it'll be it'll be a uh, it'll be a good move. But what you just need to do is first of all, you the first thing is having your work authorization and all the stuff to be and work in the U.S. and start yeah. a business. I'm sure that won't be a difficult thing for someone who is from Canada. And I'm sure it'll be yeah. difficult for someone like me who is from Nigeria. But and also do your research. I think initially, before you just make that um, make that move to say you want to buy a property, first rent one, yeah. stay for like a, a year. Stay for like a year because since you said you said it's online, yeah, you don't need you don't you can be in the cave and still be doing your thing <laughs> as long as there's internet. Yeah, so you could maybe I think maybe what you should do is leave Toronto. Don't move here. Just let's say take it like a trip yes go to atlanta stay for three months Mm -hmm. feel the vibe build relationships come make connections see how the vibe see how you enjoy the vibe and if the vibe is good then you can now make the move but if you're making the move don't make the move by buying yet just rent yeah, see if the vibe is good. If I could live there. Yeah, make the rent rent for like a year, and if then if you have enough time apart from the business part, because business you can always do it from anywhere, and because even being in in the US or being in Atlanta, it gives you the opportunity to travel to other cities in the US to yeah. market your product and meet with other uh, distribution, and also it would help you if you're here also to be able to talk to the big uh, retail brands to do distribution for your brand. Yeah, that's a good idea. And also, like, put your product on Amazon and all those stuff. Like, have your own mini, mini... Or discuss with Amazon to be... I think some uh, some business, small businesses have a deal with Amazon where they give some of their products to Amazon. Then Amazon yeah. would help ship, ship would help ship it out instead of you doing it from Canada or wherever you are. Amazon would have enough stock wherever the warehouse they have it to just ship it out one day shipping, two day shipping you know, as they do for prime membership and other stuff. So I yeah. think you being in the US would give you the opportunity to meet with all these big wholesale seller um, uh, sellers like Walmart or Target or and the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, see, it 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 kind of this podcast suddenly now did not look like an interview. It felt like a conversation of sh- like minds sharing ideas and of everything. Course. See, yeah, of course, good yeah. conversation, man. Yeah. So, uh, so to conclude, so how can people find you on social media? On social media, uh, on Instagram, you could type in Nick underscore Wavy W A V Y. And on YouTube, you could type in my name, Nick Wavy, and yeah, you'll see me pop up. You know, check out my videos. You'll, I hope you could learn something from them and be entertained. And if you need any products for your waves or for your hair, go to wavymerch.com. And yeah, 
I appreciate the interview, man. So I, I'm just curious. I was reading somewhere and someone typed that you're worth a hundred or something million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Maybe not yet, but hopefully soon. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I read it. I was like, ah, uh, okay. And he's not in one of his private islands yet. <laughs> Maybe I'll sell the company for two hundred million. That that stuff happens. You know? Yeah, maybe Jeff Bezos will just come and say, "Hey, yeah, it's one billion. Just go go on a vacation." <laughs> <laughs> who, who <laughs> but knows? but who but to be wise, even when you say you still keep some shares in the business, so that when the company keeps making profit, you get a cut from it. Exactly. Like the guy, remember the guy who sells ring, the ring, uh, ring um, doorbells and cameras and all the stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. He sold his company to Amazon for a billion dollars, and he still has, he's still running it on behalf of Amazon, but he still has has stakes in it. Yeah. So, so he's still gonna get money. Yeah, he's still making money even regardless of the fact that he sold it to them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. That's good. Yeah. So um, that's it for today's episode. Thanks to um, Nick for sharing his vast knowledge in, in entrepreneurship and business and content and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and also visit www.asukotravels.com for more. Thank you, Nick. All right, thank you.